They don't piss me off, and the man on the timeline gotta see me. I'ma choke his ass out from intro to outro. It ain't my fault he the next podcast on the motherfucking schedule. We flip in the field, that's what we do. They talk that shit cause they scared. We ain't talking no shit. That's the podcast, that's how we do it. It will not change today, I promise you that. They may look like they wanna post, but I guarantee you, he don't wanna post. I'ma let him know he don't wanna podcast with me. Hey, welcome to a very fired up flipping the field. We uh, after that that rousing pregame pep talk from uh, from from Ryan, we've got a national championship. That's Coach Ryan from Coach Ryan. Yeah, uh, we've got a national championship to talk about here. Um, we've got some podcast stuff, I guess, to talk about at the end of the show. But before we do that, we do have unfortunately one more college football game that's in our way that we have to destroy. We have to obliterate and we have to get it out of here. Ryan, how's it going? Yeah, everything's great, Patrick. Um, I watched this game last night, um, you know, for at least most of it. I I didn't really watch the first quarter, I got to be honest with you. I I meant to sit down, but I saw that it was like, you know, a bunch of field goals and punts. And uh, I said, no, thanks. I'm not one of those kind of sickos. Yeah. I'm not one of the Lasicos committee's guys for national championship. (laughs) So I just thought I'd enjoy my time instead. Yeah. Um, But I did watch, I did watch the final three quarters. Um, Yeah, great game. I mean, congratulations to Georgia. Uh, They did it. Um, are we are we are we comfortable saying great game? Are we sure about that? Great game, no, but it was a good game. Um, I think it was. A, I, I thought. I, I I think I can comfortably say it was a great fourth quarter. I think the rest of this game was dog shit. I think this was awful for forty five minutes. Yeah, um, I, I think that um, uh, it was pretty bad for, for the first half. Yeah. I don't know, like. There were large stretches of the second half where I was entertained. Stetson Bennett started airing the ball out a little bit, um, which is pretty funny to say out loud. Both those defenses were flying around the entire game. Yeah. Um, yeah, no one really did anything interesting in terms of play design. Bama had that one really nice. Um, they drew up a great – he's a two-point conversion or touchdown play where Bryce Young just airmailed the ball to the corner and totally missed the receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had another touchdown that would have been – that was dropped. Uh but I mean, watching those defenses, watching Will Anderson and Kobe Dean and, and Lewis sign like fly around out there was was worth the price of admission. Yeah, I, I was certainly impressed. And to be clear, that the price of admission is you know your parents' cable login. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I <laughs> yeah. I, I was certainly. I mean, it's hard not to be impressed with these defenses and you know Will Anderson obviously flying all over the field and. Nicobe Dean, who is just a monster, and I don't, I don't really understand. Like this is this is an off-season topic, but I don't understand why he doesn't get more talk as like a Heisman guy or a draft pick, like a high draft. Is that pick. Dean or Anderson? Uh, Dean. This guy's a monster. Mm. <laughs> this kid is so good. And like, he got a lot of pub. I thought. I don't know. I he, thought he was kind of talked about as like one a, of the. He got uh, a lot of pub, but like the 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 way I see like draft guys talking about him is just like a potential second round pick, like early second round, and it, it it feels like I'm I I don't really understand what's going on with that because this kid's a monster. This kid is so good, um, and he was really great in this game. I think that he was a a pretty critical part of what Georgia wanted to do defensively, obviously. Um, and I, I did, there was that, 
there was that period with the narrative where everyone was like, Jordan Davis should be a Heisman candidate. And then the counter narrative of actually N'Kobe Dean should be a Heisman candidate popped <laughs> I, up. And that lasted for about two weeks. And then Bama uh, obliterated Georgia in the SEC title game. Yeah, I um, I think it was a little bit of that. And then, of course, the true answer was that Stetson Bennett should be Georgia's Heisman candidate, um, <laughs> which is apparently the take that everyone has now because they have lost their minds. But Georgia 33, Alabama 18, for those of you who for some reason don't know the score of the game or didn't watch it, uh, Georgia finally breaks through the, the Alabama wall and does so kind of in... I guess the the only real fashion I think it could have, right, which is that it completely took away the Alabama rushing attack, um, and it also forced Bryce Young to do I think more than he was capable of doing, which is you know fifty seven passes, and obviously he has the two interceptions, one of which ends the game, um, and I, I think that 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 was sort of the the path here for Georgia was that it would, you know, be able to run the ball pretty consistently, which it did, that Stetson Bennett could stay out of the way and that it could force Bryce Young into throwing the ball all over the field, which for what he is good at, I don't think you want him throwing the ball 57 times. Like it's, it's sort of with these, with these high powered teams in general, the more they're throwing, the less likely it seems that they're going to win this kind of game. Like when you see a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud or certainly a Stetson Bennett up in the 40s or 50s, I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing in most. Like three equally good quarterbacks. Yeah, three equally good quarterbacks. But like the, with the <laughs> with the teams around them, I don't know if you want to see those guys throwing 40, 50 passes in a game because that usually signals to me that something has gone wrong in the offense. Yeah. Hey, why are these teams? Why is every good team uh, committed to having a boring run game with basic play design? I don't know. It seems like it's not that hard to do. Like a lot of teams at the second, at the you know the second and third levels have worked in pretty interesting run design. You know schemes like uh, Michigan comes to mind. And teams at the NFL level do it very well as well. Yeah, counters like in the run game you have at the NFL level are tremendous. Yeah, and it's very like Georgia doesn't have especially interesting run design. Alabama certainly doesn't. Um, you you yeah. really do when Georgia to... started when they started running the ball in the fourth quarter, they were just physically leaning on yeah. Bama. Bama was just like tired and outmatched. Yeah, which is which really stood out to me was you know that they could do that in the fourth quarter because it's very rare that teams can do that against Alabama. Um, I don't know why they didn't do that throughout the game. It, it felt like it was there for a lot of even the first and second quarter that they they could have run the ball and they didn't. Um, despite his his performance being pretty solid, I know that every time Stetson Bennett dropped back to pass, I was not expecting a whole lot. Um, whereas when they ran the ball, it was it felt a little bit more tenable. But I I don't really know what that is like. Why all of these teams have moved into oh we have two run plays that we call, and I, I don't know if that's an RPO thing. I don't know if that's a a simplicity thing just for the sake of it because they're not training their offensive linemen in the same way because they're adding all of these different pass wrinkles, but it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. It's not that hard to run to to add run concepts. They're I would say the easiest thing in football to design. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think that's very valid, right? I, I think that um, I don't know, man. It, it's just like I think, like we said, like last episode, teams are committed to being boring. But I don't know. I, I wasn't like I don't think anything Georgia did on offense impressed me very much. Like Stetson Bennett made some ballsy throws in the fourth quarter that. Yeah. Um, we're cool, but wasn't Bama down two starting defensive backs, right? Uh, uh, I think that, two... that, that sounds right. Josh Job and somebody else. 
I mean, like, again, it's Matt. I'm not trying to diminish her recital. Huge win for them. I mean, great for the program. First yep. time in 41 years to get a championship. That's they, awesome. And there's no, but, there's no form of this Alabama program that's easy to beat. Like injuries or not, there's it's never going to be right. Like, you can't just oh yeah, they were they were too injured. Like they've got five stars everywhere still. Yeah, and I do think that was kind of confusing from Saban or from, rather from Bill O'Brien uh, for me is like we've seen uh, Ja'Cory Brooks and Ajay Hall and, and and JoJo Earl right already makes even though they have limited reps this season make some big time plays in big time games. Yeah, uh, I don't understand. I know they threw the ball fifty seven times, but it really felt like they didn't target some of those guys downfield the way they could have. I don't know. I mean, maybe they just couldn't protect. Um, couldn't protect uh, Bryce Young the way they wanted to, which seems like true. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we thought. I mean, their O line seemed fixed for like two weeks mm-hmm. or two games rather, and then uh, that that went uh, back to normal uh, <laughs> pretty fast. Yeah, and I, um, I I do think that Georgia deserves credit on that on that front for adjusting what it was doing in in pass rush and for actually blitzing more, which it needed to do in the first game. I don't think that that was any sort of an issue here. It didn't seem like they were ever lacking in aggression, and Alabama certainly suffered from that. Um, on the the Alabama passing game front, it, it does kind of feel, and this this lumps in with the complaints that I have about a lot of these these big power running games, uh, power program running games, is that it seems like a lot of these offenses, for all we you know say about them and all the stats that they not we personally, but the the general we and all the stats that they accumulate, it seems like a lot of these offenses kind of stink, like schematically Mm -hmm. they're not very good it's you know like yeah (laughs) i I don't think i'm especially impressed by anything that bill o'brien did this year and no even like last year's alabama offense the 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 scheme was well we're going to give the ball to Devontae smith and he's going to score a touchdown because that's what Devontae smith does but i wasn't like i don't come away from this game being terribly terribly impressed with anything alabama does schematically and i i haven't for quite some time with this team offensively i don't really know what the end game is for this, but it does seem like we're kind of on the precipice of needing something new offensively for a lot of these programs. And I don't know what that is, but I, I think that I think we're we're kind of seeing the end of this being a thing that you can just do. Uh, because it, it, of just rolling the ball out and throwing the ball to your five stars. Yeah, and if, of just relying on, you know, oh, we're going to fake a, you know, we're going we're gonna to have a, a run read in the backfield and we're going to watch your linebacker and then whatever he does is going to determine the play. I, I think that defenses have adjusted to that enough, especially at the, the top end where it's not really feasible unless you have Devontae Smith or like, you know, perhaps next season somebody like Jackson Smith and Jigba or a Jamison Williams who Alabama was sorely missing here. But I think that there's a severe lack of creativity in a lot of these top end offenses in a way that, like that was my main frustration with the first three quarters of this game, and my worry coming in is like there's nothing offensively in these in this game from either of these teams schematically that impresses me at all or that that grabs my interest, and I left feeling the same way. I, I think there are a lot of individual players here who are impressive. Bryce Young is an impressive player, but I don't really see anything within Alabama's offense where I'm like, man, that's cool. It's like no, they run the same four plays all game. Is Bryce Young that impressive? I don't know. Like Sometimes. I, don't, I, Sometimes. I know he won the Heisman, but I don't think he's that good. Like yeah. he, he had tried a couple of nice throws that were dropped, and we probably think about this game differently if he hits those, or rather if his receivers catch them. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, eh, I, <laughs> I'm, I don't think he goes through his progressions very quickly or very well yet. 
And he makes some, yeah, in, in, in tandem with that, he makes some really bizarre throws, the last one obviously being probably the worst of the bunch, but also it felt like he was locked into the wrong guys all game. Like once Jamison Williams yeah. left the game, he's like looking really hard at, um. I don't want to fuck up this kid's name, Ajayi Hall, is that how you say it? Yeah, he's uh, Ajayi Hall's good. He's a freshman, but he he's caught... I mean, I think he's going yeah, to. Yeah, but who else? I mean, yeah, I, what, I, what do you recommend he does instead? Throw it to Slade Bolden so he can get tackled four yards downfield? That's what he always, I mean. Well, he can catch it, which was an issue for Hall, uh, who <laughs> couldn't catch the ball, which seems maybe like something you should do if you're a wide receiver. But I, I think that, you know, Cameron Latu also probably would have been a viable option, maybe somebody out of the backfield. Uh, but it felt like he was just locked into, like, Hall and then the tight end who everybody at Alabama hates. Um, what's his name? Billingsley, who's in the transfer portal. Um, yeah. It, it, it felt like that was who his, his main targets were. It's like, these guys can't catch the ball or get open. Why are you looking at them? Yeah, I mean, I get that. I totally understand where you're coming from. I don't know. I mean, I think Bama was just like, they didn't have an answer. They couldn't run the football. I yeah. think they expected to be able to like walk in and run the football the way they did in Atlanta, which, I mean, makes sense. They ran it down Georgia's throat in Atlanta. And, uh, it, and it, it just didn't happen at all. It was weird because at the beginning of the fourth quarter, they were running the ball. They were running the ball really well. Like, they, they drive down the field, and I, I think that they had the um, – I don't remember what the what the sequence was because they – I think it was the field goal drive where they, they drive right down, and they're running the hell out of the ball. Um, and then they kick a field goal, cut it to one, and then they get the uh, the very funny fumble and fumble recovery, and then they score right off of that. But there was a drive there, like late in the third quarter, early into the fourth quarter, where a couple drives in a row they're just they're kind of grinding out yards, and Georgia isn't really finding much success in responding to that. And then it was like Georgia flipped a switch, and Alabama just couldn't do that anymore. And Alabama also flipped the switch and said that they didn't want to do it anymore. It was it was yeah. very strange. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, like, it seems like Doug Marone really shit the bed here. Like, given the offensive line talent he was handed, uh, I mean, to not be able to run the football at all. I mean, I know it's Georgia, but, like, you you have to be able to <laughs> either run block or pass block in this game, given the yeah. amount of talent you have. Like, Georgia's front is really impressive, but it's not, like, I don't know, it's not the best front of all time. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. you have probably the most talented offensive line I've ever assembled, and you're a former NFL yeah. head coach. I think yeah. you should be able to figure out how to – you know, either pass block or run block for a few series. You would you would certainly think, and, and like George's front obviously <laughs> is, is excellent, but I don't think that it's the line specifically that stands out to me as being like the best part of the defense. I think it's the linebackers. Right. You know, Jordan Davis is obviously very good, and they've got a lot of talent inside, but a lot of these, these edge players I'm not terribly impressed with. Like, I think Nolan Smith is fine. I think that, you know. I, I, oh, I like him. I think he's fine. I don't think he's incredible. Um, he's not, well, you're, you're pretty tight with Adam Anderson, right? You guys were co-defendants or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I'm his, uh, I'm the defense lawyer on his case and also the cases of Amir Reeb and Jocelyn Wynn. And I, I would like to, I'd like to restate that all of my, um, all of my, my boys are innocent. They've done nothing wrong. Um, <laughs> isn't, uh, isn't that lawyer also the lawyer? Maybe I'm, I allegedly, you know, whatever. Uh, isn't that lawyer also the same guy who's a lawyer for Ken Stickney and Kirk Barton? Oh, or was for like the first part of the I, trial? I think so. I'm I'm pretty sure he was. I think I told you that. I, I, I think that that might I think been... if I were, yeah, yeah, I think if I recall correctly, what happens is those two hired the Ohio State football rape lawyer. Uh-huh. Uh, that's pretty much seems to be all of his cases. And then after that wasn't working out so great because they like missed multiple filing deadlines. Uh, allegedly, mm-hmm. uh, they should we, they should we include over. this in the podcast? Is this 
Yeah, it's fine. Going? I don't really care. What are, what are they going to do? I don't know. Uh, I Take think us to fair. court? They, They've got a lawyer. They've got the rape lawyer. <laughs> well, that's the funny part is they switched it over um, to a lawyer who is now famous for uh, getting a, uh, I think he had like a, a federal judge who was accused of bri- bribery and corruption. Okay. And he was convicted in like three different cases, but won the fourth appeal or something. Okay. Love <laughs> that's that. The guy's other they've got the, they've got the lawyer from the wire on, uh, on payroll. Yeah. You can leave this intercut. I don't really care either way. But, all right. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was really relevant to the game at all. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I mean, I think the crazy part is, is as great of a season as Georgia had, is everything they assembled. Uh, if Bama doesn't lose Jamison Williams, uh, they probably win this game. See, maybe. I, I think that, I think he certainly changes the dynamic of the game, obviously, and he, he had a good start to the game before he got hurt. But I also, Alabama's offense really didn't look like it had much going on, you know, and even with him out there. Like, it, it was just him. And I cannot. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but but he I, had 65 yards in the first quarter. That's that's a big difference compared to what they had the rest of the game. Yeah, I just I, it's hard for me to see how well Georgia adjusted to everything else that Alabama was able to do, and to think that they still wouldn't have had any sort of answer for Jamison, even if it was just you know we're going to bracket him on every single play and make you throw to to all your your freshmen who can't catch. And well, I, I don't know. I think I think the difference is right is like when you don't have Jamo in the game, Darian Kendrick can hang and, yeah. and like. Yes, you can cover up for Darian Kendrick sometimes, but you can't cover up for Darian Kendrick and Christopher Smith uh, yeah. for an entire game. You know what yeah. I mean? Like those are the two guys that don't really belong uh, in Georgia secondary. They don't they don't play nearly as well as uh, Sign or Keely Ringo. Yeah, um, who had the game winning or the game ceiling pick six. Keely Ringo um, also, I would say, a work in progress at this point. Um. Yeah. I mean, him and like him and Eli Ricks are the same guy. Yeah. Where like they're just these huge athletic corners that have some crazy flash plays. Yeah. And uh, then you know you watch them in a full game, and they're not always the most sound and technique, but uh, they have the traits that are going to make them you know desirable. And you know because most football writers only watch highlights, they'll end up as all Americans every mm-hmm. year of their career. Sure. Yeah. Um. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> uh. Yeah. I don't know. But what I what I'm trying to say here is when you. Jamison Williams in the game, you have to account for him. Uh, it's, it becomes a lot easier for Alabama to play find the fish with Christopher Smith or Darian Kendrick with their other receivers. And are they as effective as Jamo? No, but uh, those are still you know five star kids who have some have some real ability. Yeah, and I I think that that I I, I think that Jamison certainly makes this a a closer game, and maybe the game state is such that Georgia can't win it late you know because the i mean georgia scores three touchdowns in the last eight minutes of this game obviously one of them not quite as, as hard worked for as the other ones were but i i think that the the difference here georgia's defense seemed to have the answer for alabama and 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 right an answer for jameson and an and an answer for alabama are two different things but i think that everything else not working so significantly probably I, like I don't know if Bryce Young's stat line looks significantly different if Jamison is out there. I think it's just that he has 15 completions to him instead of you know, you know, two to Hall, six to Brooks, seven to Bolton. Like they 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 just spread those out a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean, no way to know. Um, <laughs> I don't know, Bama. Uh, it's time for it's time to cancel Alabama. That's what yeah. I think. Well, this was sort of the the culmination of the things that we worried about with Alabama this season in general, which is that they can't run the ball really well. They can't really they're not great at pass blocking. 
um, yeah. outside of like Evan Neal. They have one good receiver. Yeah, they have one good receiver, and he got hurt, and the defense is sort of good but not amazing. Like it's not what it you know was in the early 2010s or anything like that. And I think that you know there were other teams who probably should have taken advantage of that and and beaten this team. Like we've talked before about how what they should have lost two or three more games than they did. But yeah. it was just Tank Bigsby just has to go down in bounds and Bama's not even playing. God. Instead we're watching Georgia beat Ohio State thirty to nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's much better. We like that more. Right. <laughs> and then I have to go to Arlington <laughs> and Indianapolis. Uh-huh. You know, maybe it's good that Tank Bigsby didn't, <laughs> didn't go down in bounds, as I think about yeah, it. I... I, I want I want a picture of you doing like the soy face looking at the big table of shrimp. Like you mm-hmm. have to take the the picture of you yeah. and you have to find a friend to do the soy face with the giant table of almost shrimp. I'll tell you, man, if you are if you are taking shrimp from the same bowl as Stu Mandel, you know what you have coming. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. You are you seeing what that man's hands have been? Oh boy, you don't want to eat shrimp with that. Have you looked at um, these have you looked at these individuals that are around you? I mean you... That, that that's something that's something my grandfather told me growing up though. You never eat shrimp with a man from Cincinnati. No. You never eat shrimp with a man who works for the athletic. That's everybody knows that. You don't do it. Sorry, Bill. We but we can't eat shrimp with you. It's illegal. Um and and uh, like the CFB Reddit guy is there. You can't eat that shrimp. You don't know where his hands have been. Oh no, dude! That guy does not wash his hands. <laughs> that guy has not washed his hands since before the pandemic. I mean, if not, if not before multiple pandemics, it's a it's he a might have not washed his hands since the Spanish flu. It, it's a heroic effort on his part that he can send off tweets with his phone covered in like mozzarella grease. <laughs> man <laughs> that got me that was pretty good yeah um yeah i don't know um i think it's also uh, what i really enjoy is uh like the tweet suite every year uh, uh-huh. when they have that going yes where like yeah. somehow you have uh you basically just have like you know seven to ten rappers a couple other athletes who, who like college football and then just like a bunch of Twitter guys. Yeah, so yeah. They, like... they they have like they have like Quavo, Taylor Rooks, and then like five podcast guys whose podcast average like five thousand listeners. It's like who the fuck is this yeah. guy? Why is he here? Uh, and then also Tyler I am is there, and he's actually funny. Yeah, I we, like we that like, guy. We a like lot. Tyler. Uh, Truly Withers, of course. Shout out to Truly Withers. Um, but we should get him on the show to talk about Kentucky. I'm sure we could pull that off. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know what I was going to say, but that's a funny, just that's always a funny, like, and it's also like in a pen. They hold them in there. They've got them in the posting hold. Yeah, it's not in a real section. <laughs> they've they've got oh. them in the uh, they've got them in the Jackson Mahomes section where the ground is just a big American flag so that they get canceled for walking on it. Right, right. Um yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um How do we get in there? I think we can I think we can get in there next season. Flipping the field needs to be Oh, uh, no, we're we are way too toxic. I think that they should put us in there. I I think that they're afraid of not putting us in there. Uh that's probably true. I think uh, I should be able to, I should be able to like have a fist fight uh, mm-hmm. with any one of the tweet suite. Like, have you ever watched the movie Drumline? Uh, yeah. You know how they can like uh, call out a senior drummer uh, and challenge them uh, mm-hmm. with their drums to yeah. uh, to get their spot. Yep. <laughs> I should be able to do that with with posting for the tweet suite. <laughs> and you get their followers. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah you get to run <laughs> their I, account if I can come up with a better riff than I'm on, on what Stu Mandel looks like, <laughs> I'm to have their ticket. And I want to be clear on this podcast, too. I just, just, just to remind Stu, I don't give a fuck about the Sagarin yeah, ratings. Yeah, we, we here don't give a fuck about the Sagarin ratings. We're, we're doing the, the Stephen A. Smith. This is Stu, I'm here to tell you. We don't care about the Sagarin We don't care. <laughs> we don't care. I wonder what the Sagarin ratings have to say right now. I'm actually, I'm, I'm curious. Let's, let's, let's take a look over at the Sagarin ratings. Uh, let's see here who the real number one team is. Um, says here it's uh, Utah State. Okay, he's right. All right, never mind. He's spot on. Uh, okay. No, no, it's, it's Georgia. <laughs> it's Georgia by about three points. Um, wow. That, that seems. Points. It's, it's it's got here. This is fun. We'll just do the Sagarin ratings. We'll do the uh, that's our that's our version of of whatever their podcast is called. Um, Ryan, mm-hmm. my my other my other takeaway from this game and something I have been thinking about all day. Uh, is that I really should have written that article in the offseason about how it was the year of defense because um, it was the year of defense. It it really, really was. And it, I don't know if this is a if this is like a, a tonal shift where more teams are going to start trying to build with defense. I certainly think that a friend of ours down in Waco has uh, has, has his designs on that sort of thing and, and seems to be pretty well positioned for that. Um, but this was the year. He, of- he needs to get Jackson Dart. To clarify, by the way, Jackson yeah. Dart is now. We're, we're going to have a portal episode later on. Jack, uh, Jackson Dart's now in the transfer portal. Uh, Jeff Grimes recruited him at BYU. Mm. Uh, uh, Jackson Dart's high school head coach, the former BYU quarterback, yeah, nearly, nearly, nearly landed him, if I remember correctly. Wasn't he down to BYU? Yeah, uh, he, I think it was. I think it was USC, Utah, BYU. I, he might. Like he might have been committed to to BYU, if memory serves. I don't think so. I, maybe very early on, but I, I think he was uncommitted for a while. He was a late riser. I'm pulling up his recruitment right now. Yeah, I um, I know that BYU was certainly in it because that was one that we were watching, like, individually. I was watching, and I was like, man, it'd be really cool if this kid actually goes to BYU. Um, let's see, see here. here. No, he did not make him beforehand. Huh. Um, he had... Been talking a lot with 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 several schools, but I, he really really picked up in the fall of his senior year. Yeah, looks like he got like a he's from he's the, a late uh, riser and he he's from the quarterback hype house where they all go to get like you know four star mid four like high four star ratings and then they go to yeah corner canyon well, yeah yeah he uh he moved there but was it he moved from Arizona to Utah or the other way around it was one of the two I don't um, I don't remember there's no difference there's no functional difference between his story and Zach Wilson's story and Devin Brown's story they all have the exact same thing right right oh I think of Devin Brown is the one who moved I think I, I, think, I think so Jackson yeah. Darshus from Utah I think uh, Devin Brown's the one who moved yeah. yeah but yeah Corner Canyon uh, is where all of those guys go to become the exact same quarterback and they're all pretty good. <laughs> yeah, isn't isn't Joe Germain the coach there? Uh, John Hack is the coach there. I thought I thought what Joe is, Germain was at the is, at the one in uh, at the one in Arizona. Is there right? Are there different ones? I I, I wouldn't know. Um, There's two of them. Uh, Joe Germain is he's something called Mountain View. I don't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he's a, he's in Arizona. Anyway, uh, they're both they're both Mormon quarterbacks. I guess that's the uh, that's the takeaway here. But yeah, I, I think Jackson Dart to Baylor would obviously be a, a pretty big a pretty big coup for for Dave Aranda. But it does kind of feel like this was a and like I was saying with the offense is not really having the creativity that they once did or, or having the same even just firepower that they did a couple years ago. Um, it seems like Georgia's path of we're just going to have a whole bunch of talent on defense and then we're going to deploy it in unique and creative ways and we're going to put a lot of pressure on you 
is not like replicable by the majority of the sport for obvious reasons, but I do think that mm. those sure? at the top being <laughs> like, you know, Texas A&M, uh, in theory, Ohio State, I will believe that when I see it. Um, you know, groups of that of that ilk that can get this sort of talent as a, you know, this is a different way to build where you don't necessarily have to have this elite top tier offense that can score at will you can win with defense if you're smart about the way that you build yeah but you do need dudes like i mean your boy randa is gonna have to learn how to recruit here real fast he's had back-to-back classes ranked around like 40 nationally he needs to get that fixed like now yeah that Um, is that is a concern but i I think that like this is a you know for for the texas a&ms of the world for even fucking clemson now in its current state i think that this is sort of a you know a, a shift in what can be done to to win championships that you can do it like this if you just have one of the best defenses of all time which a lot of or these... you could just hire dj Durkin and try that instead yeah that'll work um <laughs> but if you if you have the talent and then the you know the coordinators around to make something like this happen obviously it's not easy to do but it is interesting as sort of a you know, a, a way to counter these these offenses that have been so great. The fact that somebody could do that, that somebody could hold Alabama to 18 points in a title game and, you know, six of them come from a, a fumble <laughs> on your own 10-yard line. And, you know, they, they, they've got – the yardage was pretty high, but it's it's kind of empty yardage. They're not really getting much going on. That you could do that in a championship game setting, I think, speaks to – is sort of proof of concept, obviously, for Kirby Smart – but also for somebody like Jimbo, who is just kind of accumulating talent and not really doing a whole lot with it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm curious to see if we see this replicated at places like LSU, who certainly can accumulate talent, but maybe it is. Know I don't know. If, do did did you did you see any of the clips or watch the feed for the uh, the coaching simulcast during the game? Uh, vaguely, I, I saw the I saw the part where Jamison Williams got hurt, and Jimbo immediately said, "Oh, he ACL'd it," which is just insane. Yeah, which is really that's really fucking funny. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I, I was thinking about uh, I mean, like him just it was very funny to watch him be critical of uh, of Bill O'Brien's like offensive play calling and yeah. pace. Yeah, uh, I was very amused by that. Like, mm-hmm. I'm all guy just again Jimbo doing the. The Garfield sign. Oh, what are this is for thing <laughs> about, about guys who aren't maximizing their talent or yeah. call offenses too slow. Yeah, Jim Jimbo uh, getting on TV saying, "Why are they going so slow?" <laughs> yeah, this is, this is it's really funny. That's actually really really funny. Like that's one of the best bits anyone's had in a while. Yeah. Um. So shout out to him. Shout out to a king for that. Yeah. So, but, um. But yeah, I, I yeah. think that I think that defense as a way to win football games to compete at this level is something that we're going to see more and more. I also think that. The funny enough, the biggest loser of this game is not Alabama, which will be fine and we'll just adjust and figure out what the next big thing is and we'll win a national title like next year. But the biggest loser of this sort of thing is teams that tried to do the the Alabama thing or the, you know, just the RPO offense in general elsewhere. Steve Sarkeesian is fucked. Steve Sarkeesian is absolutely fucked. His shit is never going to work again. He's done. Like that's this is this is it for him. Because what what is he? I'm, I am uh, I am just saving this mentally in my head right now. For I mean I agree he won't like ever win a national championship, but one thousand percent like Texas will put up like forty five points a game next year with Quinn Ewers and all those receivers. Great, uh, they're going to go eight and four. Like I I just I I think that the 
I think that the bill is very soon going to come due for building half of a football team. I think that it's just, especially when it's that. The bill is the bill is going to come due for hiring Polish defensive coordinators. That's what we're trying to stop. <laughs> no more. Get them out of here. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Steve. How many how many poles does it take to coordinate a defense? Apparently, more than one. You son of a bitch. Oh my god, what a dumb asshole. But I, I think that that building Pete building quiet Kowski, funny man. Good anyway. lord. Uh, yeah, I, I think that the, the bill is going to come due soon on building half of a team and then building that half of a team around a very flimsy offensive scheme. Around, you know, oh, well, we're just going to manipulate your linebackers, and that's our entire game plan. And if your linebackers are good or if you have a plan to, to adjust for that, uh, we just, we're going to just pray that our really good receiver can beat your cornerbacks. And in some cases it's going to work, but I don't think that this is going to be feasible long-term anymore. I don't think... I don't think that this is a that this is one of those just flash in the pans and then we're going to go right back to the norm. This felt like at least to me sort of a shift in what what teams can do defensively against these offenses and it felt like the entire season a lot of these offenses were really kind of struggling to live up to their talent. Like, you know, even ones that put up a bunch of points we saw in quite a few games where, you know, Alabama, Ohio State, certainly Oklahoma, um a lot of these teams couldn't really get off the ground against really good defenses, against better defenses. And it, it was, you know, they were still able to grind out points because of sheer talent. But I think that we're approaching, like I said, sort of a, a, a hinge point here for these offenses where they're going to have to either adjust or they will be, you know, it's going to be like running a read option based offense in 2017 or 2018. Where it's like, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. That's, that's not what you can do anymore to win games. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I would like to see some. I'd like to see the return of of prominent play action. Huh? Where, where's all the play action gone in good offenses? It's all it's all in the NFL, which is weird because it's usually not how that works. Like it's it's usually that the you know it happens in college and then five years later it happens in the NFL. But it seems like the NFL is actually kind of more progressive on offensive ideology than college the NFL offensive scheme is is it's a uh, to <laughs> borrow a phrase here is is, you know, eating the whole hog or eating the whole buffalo a little more, right? Like, they are, like, yeah. considering the holistic view of offense more. They're building calendars better. Um, they're they're doing a lot of things that are much more interesting, I think, than has happened at the college level. Uh, there's still, of course, you know, these these boutique offenses in college that are fun and, and I enjoy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem hard to do. You actually have more time to install offenses in college like than you in the NFL. Is that true? You have guys for four years. Yeah, you, you that's can, fair. You can yeah. build – I mean, it should be easier, not harder to install, like to install some scheme. And uh, Saban talks about all the time, like, where, you know, when he was like at the peak of his like rip Liz pattern match stuff on defense, he was like, you know, I probably wouldn't run this in the NFL. And in fact, he didn't. He was like, but I feel like I'm, I'm confident I can teach these guys with, you know, getting them to earn role early and spending them, you know, at least a year on the bench where they play. Mm-hmm. Like all my guys know my system by heart uh, before they ever touch the football field because yeah. I'm able to spend, you know, a year learning, you know, learning with them before they really do anything. So, yeah. And you just, you can't really do that in the pros, you know, <laughs> you get a rookie and he's got to play. You can't, you know, oh, right. Which is, round, so yeah. why are the pros doing it better? Like, I, I just think that's a, like a lack of coaching ability. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm curious if maybe we will start to see a shift. Like I, maybe, maybe one team does this and it, it works. And so other teams start to catch on of, you know, NFL offensive coordinators coming down to the college level uh, as head coaches and, and, having success and I don't know who the first would be of that I don't know if if you're an offensive coordinator in the NFL if you should do that um, unless you really like college football but I think that there is a there's a lane for success there 
in, you know, NFL offenses are not like the super complex 10 reads on every single play thing that they used to be. A lot of these are still pretty basic. Like Sean McVay's offense is not, you know, asking a whole lot of, of you know, a quarterback on a single play, which is by design. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think that something like that probably would translate to college football pretty well. I, I, I'm just, I'm curious who does it. I'm curious who breaks from the RPO mold first. Ohio State has done a, a decent chunk of this. Ryan Day, to his credit, has designed, I think, a, a pretty you know, not not like super basic passing attack. I think his passing attack is well designed. It's just that he doesn't have a running game, even though he has three running game coordinators or whatever it is. But a lot of these other teams, there's not a whole lot of substance to what they're doing offensively beyond they just have the most talented guys. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, that's fair. And, and I think that that's why this game was what it was, why for three quarters it was sort of just a a slugfest where you can say that it was a defensive battle, and I think in some cases it was, and obviously both teams were making good defensive plays, but I also think that there was a lot of shit that Alabama was doing offensively, that Georgia was doing offensively, where, you know, you're, you're the one who's costing yourself points here by your play calling, by the way that you have designed this offense. This is not necessarily that the defense is making this happen. It's that you have one receiver, and when he gets hurt, you run out of options. Like, that's that's your whole offense is one guy. You have the most talented team in college football. Why did you do that? Why did you build it like that? Right. Right, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I think we have some awesome topics to talk about. Uh, yeah. I think we'll once again do some stuff where we examine kind of the the general. This is when I say we, I mean you. Uh, examine some of the uh, the trends of like play calling and coaching and, and system design, mm-hmm. uh, what that looks like in football at the moment. I think we have a uh, a few ideas uh, coming up here. We just, I think, generally kind of update everybody on what to yeah. expect the next few weeks in the yeah, podcast. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, first of all, awesome first season. Man. I mean, just uh, fucking fun uh, yeah. <laughs> to have yeah. our first season in the books. Uh, I'm really. Uh, Really glad it went as well as it did. Um, so we are going to take uh, next week off. Uh, me and Pat are planning some stuff kind of for the future of the podcast that we will hope to let you guys know about as soon as we can, but just some exciting things we're working on. Um, we have a few podcasts lined up we're going to talk about. I know a lot of people enjoyed our coaching review hire mm-hmm. uh, episode last season. I believe the first episode, kind of, first episode of the show, right? Was it? I think so. I don't listen to our podcast. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I think it might have been. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking about our guys, best hires, worst hires. You know, we're going to roast some coaches, all that kind of thing. Um, we're talking about the transfer report a little bit and kind of reviewing what changes there. Um, we're doing a way too early top 25, but um, not mm-hmm. the kind you might expect. We've got a little bit of a twist gonna... on it. We've, we've, got a, we've got a little bit of a twist on it, folks. Uh, and I think you guys will like that. We don't want to think it too early. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time we get around to the end of February, we're going to do uh, a state of the union, uh, kind of talking about what's changed in college football, what's changed with the podcast. Yeah. Uh, obviously the latter is much more important. Um, we'll talk about those things. Uh, we're going to get to your Spotify rap teams. We did not forget about that. Uh, for everyone who sent us their Spotify rap from the end of the year, uh, we promised you we would talk about your team on the podcast. We will do that. Um, and we have some other kind of more fun ideas too. I think, I think you guys like when we get a little ridiculous and, mm-hmm. uh, kind of get into our, uh, our personas a little more. So we have some kind of a more comedy centric podcast coming up in March. And then by the time we get to the end of March, Pat, it's time for a conference preview starting up and basically yeah. the season's already here. Dude, I, I wrote, <laughs> um, a couple of days ago, I wrote the Akron preview. I've got the Akron preview posting, is posting as we record this on Tuesday night, tomorrow afternoon. Um, and then I, I'm like, I'm writing the, the Ohio preview today and tomorrow. 
um, it's it's bad. And I'll just tell you, folks, if you if you're someone who's um, you know, a fan of civil rights, you are not going to want to read Patrick's Kent State preview. Uh, <laughs> what he says about those students is just I mean, it's hard to read. It's not even just civil rights. It's human rights. I don't I don't like any of them. I, <laughs> r- folks, rights. I only like left. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not uh, I'm not very into the rights. Uh, that's good. That's good, Pat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're, we've got a lot of good stuff planned, and I I know a lot of I, I, every college football podcast, every podcast except for the cool ones uh, say this, but your uh, all of your support this season really has meant the world to us. Um, it sure you know we are <laughs> we're we're you know taking this pretty seriously, and this is something that we really enjoy doing, and and something that we're going to keep doing, and. Uh, we're going to, you know, hopefully keep making it better. Uh, and that is only possible and only something that we, you know, have in, in our sites because of the support that we have received. Um, people who have been with us from the start and have shared the show with friends, uh, you, you guys are the backbone of this show. You are, you are the, the reason that it has grown. Um, and you know, your, your, your support and your sharing of the show and, enjoying the show really does mean the world to us um and as i for sure as i say this if you're a new listener to the show and you like it if you're an old listener to the show and you really like it um it you know it it only helps us do more and focus on this more when you do share the show and when you do tell friends about it you know if you have a college football fan friend in your life who is maybe looking for something different than what they're hearing on most podcasts or you know people who aren't going to put their hands in the shrimp bowl, things like that. Um, this is, <laughs> if you have a guy who, who likes true and uh-huh. uh, but wants it to be, you know, uh, <laughs> wants less female centered voices in their podcast. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, that's what Patrick's trying to aim for here. On the show. Yeah. If you, if you want just sort of two guys talking and you don't really listen, it's kind of just on in the background. It's a great show for that. If you you know, you have a friend who listens to podcasts when they go to sleep, they don't, it doesn't really matter what show it is. They might as well just, <laughs> put ours on um and that's you know if you if you've got a guy like that if you've got a real sick puppy that listens to podcasts when they go to sleep uh please do let them know that flipping the field yeah. the you know we're we're the the price of the brick is the same it's free you can listen to it on that's any right podcasting and, and, and here's the thing choice. too something else a lot of people don't know about um when you're maybe looking you know if we go to the, the future if we wanted to uh you know maybe either advertise or have a patreon or something uh, the metrics for those, they don't, they can't tell if you listen. They can only tell if you download the podcast. Yeah. So, um, you know, like a lot of our, our listeners are toxic men who, you know, will have a one night stand with woman. And of course, uh, while she's sleeping, go through her entire phone after unlocking it with face ID and yeah. are like DMing all of her ex-boyfriends to stay away. Mm-hmm. Um, like when you do stuff like that, uh, just also subscribe to the podcast on her phone too. Yeah. So we get a few extra downloads on that before she catches on to what's happened. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, you know, what, what's she going to do? She doesn't know how to stop the, the, the Apple podcast app. <laughs> Women don't listen to podcasts. We all know this. And so right. it's, it's, uh, I, yeah, definitely. And speaking of which it, it's also time, Patrick, I, I think we were going to say this for a future episode. We should probably tell them now. Yeah. We are starting our own flipping the field DSA chapter. <laughs> 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 yeah, and we're really excited about this. This will be someone's novelty account within 48 hours of the show coming out. Yeah, it's one gonna, of our it's, one of our friends will Yeah, one of the guys is going to yeah. change that to their <laughs> change that to their name is is the the flipping the field DSA caucus. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're really excited about this uh and we are going to we're going to we're going to start signing up fans as uh 
I believe the correct terminology here is independent contractors, and that's just a little <laughs> bit of legal language. You don't need to worry about why that is, you know, what we're, what we're referring to it as. But we're uh, doing some some quote Lee Carter style work. <laughs> oh, oh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not. Um, <laughs> uh, well, well, All right. Well, anyway. Um, I also I don't know. I've been thinking about just doing we're in the off season and. You know, we have a lot of podcast ideas we actually want to do, but there's also some weeks where me and Pat are just like, uh, what the fuck were we going to talk about this week? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll do some non-football episodes this, this, this awesome Yeah, I, I, uh, I think you said you had one specifically about you were going to hunt down some of your former relatives <laughs> who are in the country that you live in now or that you're that you're staying in right now. Um, and so I thought that was pretty interesting. Right. Well, uh, well, the German to the German to Spanish translations aren't really one to one, so it's a little yeah. difficult to yeah. kind of figure, you know what I mean. I I believe um, in you though. I think you can. I think you can track them down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe in your ability as an investigative journalist to uh to, mm-hmm. to figure out what's going on down it's, there. Well, it's hard to read their names when they're hanging upside down mm-hmm. at your gas stations. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> and who's responsible for that? I'm not kidding. That sort of thing. <laughs> um, well, but uh, it can't be. Yeah, a- you know, maybe I might do might do a little travel podcast, talk about Argentina and kind of my yeah. experience down here. Might do might do some uh, a movie podcast for the fellas. I know yes. you little hogs love that. Yes, sir. That, that, that sounds, that. I think that the issue with a movie podcast if, is if we do one of them, we'll never do a college football podcast again. We're just going to start <laughs> talking about movies. Welcome back to Flipping the Field, which only does movies now. Sorry. If you want college Dude, football in, information, you got to go somewhere else. I'm in a tough spot where I, I like have gotten are, – are, I know you're, I know we follow you on Instagram, but you don't have – like you don't really use your Instagram anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's like basically a rising trend. It's been around for a while, I'm sure, but it's relatively new to me of like basically like bootleg t-shirt guys on Instagram who are like making their own custom bootleg gear for like movies or musicians or whatever. Okay. Um, so uh, these guys, I have, I've gotten like five shirts now. They're just like these custom bootleg gear for different movies or, or directors that I like. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I got the American Psycho shirt. I got the Scorsese shirt. I got the, uh, I got the Kubrick shirt. I got the Paul Thomas Anderson shirt. Yeah. Uh, I just copped the Nirvana shirt. Uh, we've got the Kanye West Donda shirt. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the, the Instagram T-shirt game is blowing up tremendously right now, and yeah. uh, I want to let you know, uh, I'm in on it. Yeah, and and we uh, may, maybe we do maybe we do in the off season we do a three hour long review of <laughs> the uh, the the Verhoeven trilogy, which I think we both love. Ooh, um, ooh, isn't, that's yeah. that's tempting. Yeah, we just talk about RoboCop and, and Total Recall, just go nuts on it. It's have you have you heard the point where whenever he gave uh whatever the dad's name from that 70s show is who's in who's in uh, robocop yeah. uh whenever he had the line read to say bitches leave uh <laughs> in, in that movie uh verhoven gave it to him because he didn't really understand the connotation of bitches in, in uh-huh. english is what he claimed yeah but he thought it wasn't nearly as pejorative as it was uh and so he just thought it was like and no one really questioned it they just thought it was like one of his classic lines That's awesome. so it stayed in the movie yeah yeah one of my favorite fun facts, oh, <laughs> my favorite fun facts. yeah i haven't seen his new movie yet he just had one come out this year uh, yeah I, i've i've heard good things about it maybe we'll watch that we'll do an episode about that too yeah that could um, be fun yeah we're we're uh, apparently desperate for content here, so what we'll uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll be back not next week, but the week after that with the That's right. what is that episode that we're doing? Is that the transfer portal one? Uh, it's the coaching hires. Coaching one? hires. Okay, yes. So yeah, back from whence we came, we will be back 
on the um, I'm gonna give an exact date here. We'll say the 26th uh, with the the uh, the coaching hires that we like that we didn't like and our guys. I believe we were 100% correct last year and we will be again this year about the coachings you know the coaching hires and moves that we that we like and don't like. Uh, so you can, too easy. Yeah, so you guys can look forward to that. You can also follow me on Twitter at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Ryan's at B1G underscore Ryan. The show is at Field Flipping. Um, again, if you want to share the fr- share the show with a friend, it's available on all of the podcasting apps. Uh, you can just tell them to look up Flipping the Field. Um, I don't know if there's anything else. I, I, I don't plug this enough, but I'm at the uh, the outside zone on, sub, on, on Substack as well. I mentioned I'm earlier. I'm an annual subscriber. It's, it's it, worth the money. Yeah, and it's uh, it's $5 a month or, or annually $50. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I'm starting the uh, the G5 previews back up, which were a, a big help for me personally this season talking about the teams. And I've, I've heard a lot of people say that it helps them sort of get a feel for what's going on in these leagues. Sometimes it can be a little bit like, you know, just overwhelming to try and figure out what's going on in all of college football. And I, I try to, uh, I, I try to narrow it down to just the things that you need to know about within these teams and within these leagues. Um, and that is, as I said, available at the, or, uh, at the outside zone on Substack, which is just, you can find it through my Twitter account. Um, Ryan, do you have anything else? No, no. Uh, I'll let you guys go. Uh, great podcast as always, Patrick. And, uh, I'm going to go walk to the gelato shop. So all right, we'll talk to you guys go. in a little bit.